Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. And I can confirm we are the podcast that could do with an international break right now. It's all a bit hectic, isn't it, boys and girls? <laughs> um, my name is Chris, I'm your host, and I'm joined by, slightly under the weather, Mr Jeremy Smith. Uh, get well soon, Jess. How are you? Other than that, you doing okay? Uh, other than that, I'm like, well, other than that and mess, I'm doing okay. Yeah, we're going to try our best to skate around the outside of mess, don't worry. Uh, and Phil, fresh off a, a nice Montpellier win with uh, just the nine men. Uh, doing okay, Phil? Yeah, slightly surprised, but yes, mm. I am here. Excellent. Good stuff. Right. So we're going to, um, most of the focus tonight, we're going to kind of try and keep towards the European places just because we've we've done a little bit of relegation talk recently. Obviously, we have the PSG special. Uh, if you haven't heard that already, go back and have a listen. It was very fun last week. Um, so we are going to kind of focus on the European spots, but we will touch on the relegation end as well a little bit because it does kind of bleed into some of these results. So let's get to said results. And of course, we will touch a little bit on last week's European action as well because the draws have been made for the next stages. But back to domestic action. And last weekend started off with the Friday night game as St Etienne and Toi got a 1-1 draw result that doesn't really help either team particularly uh, but Sanetian will probably take the point they were behind to uh, Matiba's opener and equalised through Riyad Budibuz's penalty but yeah kind of one of those that you think maybe a missed opportunity for uh, particularly the home side mm-hmm. nevertheless uh, on the Sunday, oh, Saturday, sorry, saw Lance against Claremont, quite an entertaining affair. This one in the end uh, ended in a 3-1 win for the home side, who actually fell behind to Rashani's opener before Kevin Danso, uh, Satoka and Magdi Hodara getting the third and clinching on 58 minutes, a 3-1 victory for Lons. Uh, and who- they, they were wearing a Ukraine strip. Yes. Wow. Yes, there's a few teams. The Ukraine theme strip, at least. Yeah thought was a nice touch yeah it is it is a nice little touch that yeah a few, a few clubs around europe are doing their own little bits and bobs and that was indeed a nice touch and a nice win that for Lons, who've just been having a little bit of a, a slightly ropey time of it of late form's been a little bit patchy but a good win for them and the result for claremont not so good we'll come on to that a bit later on and uh, non against leal ended up in a one nil win for the away side onana with the winning goal a game that saw timothy wire rather surprisingly seeing red in that particular game as well but yeah the on song canaries uh were cut down to size by leal in this particular game uh, we saw Monaco beat PSG by three goals to nil. Uh, we will come back to that game in a second. Auger against Brest ended in a 1-0 win for Auger. That is the, that's the sound of the Auger klaxon in the background there. Auger have finally won a game. Uh, much needed Sofia Buffal penalty uh, securing the win over Brest. Um, I'd like to take some credit for that. Uh, you would, would you? Go, go on then, Jess. Because... I'm part of a sort of score predictions thing. And for the last two or three weeks, I've predicted Angers to win. And I gave up on them this week and predicted them to draw. So obviously they won just to ruin my predictions. There you go, Angers. <laughs> and I, I also in the multiplex had a bit of a shocker in that um, I predicted that the game to watch would be Lorient versus Strasbourg. Mm-hmm. Ended Spo- nil nil. I was going to say, we spoiler alert, nil nil. Load of gold, I swear. Yeah, the highlight of that game was the standing ovation for Kevin Gamero coming off in the 86th minute, I think it was, and uh, the whole of the Mustard gave him a, a lovely little round of applause. But the game itself was, was not the best. Uh, but hey, we'll take that point at home to a European chasing side. Um, 
as we mentioned in the intro there, uh, Montpellier got a uh, sort of much needed win in terms of their form recently. Bordeaux sink ever deeper into the depths of bottom place. Uh, Eli Wahi and Florent Mollet with the two goals for Montpellier in a game that saw Nicola Koza and uh, Ristich sent off before half time. So Bordeaux had the entire second half to try and pull something out of this game and they got absolutely nothing. Uh, well, which... they can I just. Mm. Because after Ritich was sent off, I oh, so I can't remember which sending off. They had a penalty on men saved from Ellis. And when you look at the actual shot stats, Bordeaux didn't have a shot off until the first red card. Mm. It ended up being... In the second half, he had 26 shots to one. Omlin had to make 10 saves. I don't know what the keep's given him, but it nine. should be f- nine. nine? Yeah. Okay, fine. <clears throat> should have been higher. Um, but yeah, there was an awful lot of off-pitch stuff going on there. It was a 15-minute delay for the match to actually start because of smoke bombs going off in the stands. Um, Costil had a set two with some of the ultras. I thought it was about money, given his gesture as he was bundled away, but he's now said he's quitting with immediate effect, Bordeaux, because they've accused him and Koscielny of racism. Um, As you do. Vogri after the game, was looked like a thousand-yard stare, and he just kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I have nothing to say, I'm sorry. It's horrible, basically. And I was talking to <clears throat> Sexy CD on Twitter, was saying... The Bordeaux's problem is more than about the horrific defence. At least the fans haven't given up yet. But given what the fans have done before the game, during the game, after the game, because they were all booed off, I think the fans might have given up now. And it's not a good look. Turning rather sour, isn't it? Uh, again, yeah. And as I say, we will sort of briefly touch on the relegation scrap because it's quite entertaining. But um, we will we'll come back to that towards the end. But yeah, sour scenes. Go on, just. No, you said the relegation scrap is quite entertaining. So. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I mean by by entertaining, I mean for the neutral. Certainly not for those involved. <laughs> sorry, I'm very sensitive on me. But yeah, it, Next it's score. quite the race. Yeah, next goal. Sorry, talking, Jess. Talking um, of fans giving up. Y- yeah. I mean, Ren beat Mets. Uh, should we just move on? Or, uh, we can't, can we? Uh, Rets, uh, Rets? No. Ren beat Mets by uh, six goals to one. Um, Martin Terrier with another couple. Uh, so Jurassic with a hat-trick. And uh, Troy, the captain, with... The, uh, the fifth of the sixth, uh, Mafuta getting one back for late for Mets um, really doesn't mean anything for anybody at all and things are not looking great and maybe we'll just move on. We are going to talk about... He, just, he just gave them seven goals. That's a bit harsh. Uh, I gave Mets seven goals. No, you said two for Terrier, three for Girassi and then Traore with the fifth and 
fifth and the sixth. No, the, the fifth of the six. Oh, the fifth okay. of the six. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I, I can't give them any more. Just that that's, there's punishment and then there's just outright abuse. I can't I can't do that. But yeah, uh, not a good day at the office. Uh, to be fair, Mess converted every shot on target that they had. Just the yeah. one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, what I loved best was 6-1. They get their one in the 87th minute and Mafuta runs to retrieve the ball from the back of the net. <laughs> Oh, the man lads, is lads we've still got time to come back on boys yeah let's go man is trying i think our our friend rich allen obviously is a ren fan and obviously very happy about the whole thing but talking about the way ren are playing that it's so good to watch again sorry jess but it is mm. they are actually being creative and showing uh, a great sense of enthusiasm and it is really reassuring to watch when we think of possibly some other teams in the league who aren't doing anything like that. I'm thinking they're kind of the either the West Ham or the Crystal Palace of Liga. It's like no. Yeah, very entertaining. This is like causing pain upon pain. Like I'm so sorry. <laughs> not only mess, but now you're bringing Palace into it. <laughs> yeah, that is that is criminal. Oh. I I didn't I didn't know how to go about praising Mets because uh, praising Matt, sorry, praising Ren. Because um, I, I didn't think want to Ren have been fantastic and good for them for going for it and scoring six goals. But I don't think you can. I mean, you just need to follow any Mets fan at the moment. I don't. I'm not yeah. saying you should criticize anything at all about Ren, but. Don't overdo giving them credit just for beating this mess team at the moment. No, I, I think it's like you say, it's the grander, it's the grander point of saying they've been really entertaining. And, and under a coach, let's not forget who I think most people wrote off uh, at the start of the season, you know, Genesio not being particularly entertaining, etc. and so on. Um, I think I think it's fair to say they they've they've bucked the trend and and certainly uh, played some really good stuff. And we're really unlucky in Europe. Uh, they, they exited at the hands of Leicester, but they gave them an almighty scare in that second leg and were really unfortunate to not get through that tie. So there we go. We've done the bit on Ren. Um, we'll, we'll not upset Ed Jez anymore, but yeah, they, they have been really good this season. Um, final two games of the weekend then. Rams nil, Leon nil. Nothing to see here. Let's just move on. Wasn't a great entertaining spectacle. And, and once again, Leon... Just doing Leon things, basically. You know, it's just what they do. But uh, the final game of the weekend is where we're going to start our roundup. Uh, Jez, I'm going to lean on you a little bit on this one. Marseille are back to winning ways, or back to winning ways is harsh. I mean, they've been all right of late, to be fair. That's two straight wins now. But they seem to be back on an even keel. They uh, they beat Nice by two goals to one in the Sunday fixture. Uh, Kedis Milik with a penalty just before the, uh, the halftime whistle. Uh, Cedric Pukambu stepping off the bench with his, I think it was his first touch, um, converting from a header to make it 2-0 in stoppage time for Mario Lamina. Uh, got Nice technically back in it again in stoppage time. It's just too little, too late. Um, where do we start with this one? We'll, we'll start by giving some some praise to Marseille in that they, they, did, they do appear to be back on a, a good footing and they, they do appear to be uh, finding a little bit of time just about at the right time, whether it lasts, we shall see. Were you impressed with them, Jess? Because I think you made a point pre-pod that I kind of tend to agree with. First half, very good. Second half, a little bit fortunate. Yeah, I mean, 
look, their home form is awful. So to to get a home win against their sort of closest rival for second place at well at the start of the weekend anyway um, is you've got to give them credit for that. Um, and they 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 kind of did what they've done best this season, which is as, as I've said several times, sort of go against type and actually be be stronger in defence. Um, the first half they did their usual, I think, of, of sort of dominating possession, but not creating a massive amount. And the second half, I actually thought they were they were pretty lucky. I think Nice were by quite a long way the better team in the second half. And I mean, it was a fantastic header by Bakambu. So you know, no, a nice way to win the match. But I thought Nice were very unlucky not to get a penalty. Um, I thought it was arguably clearer cut than the one that Marseille got at the start at the end of the first half, which by the way was just complete stupidity from Tadebo. Absolutely no reason, no need to dive in there, especially sort of right at the end of the half. So um I think they, you know, they they did get a bit of luck. They'll probably argue that there's been other times this year that they haven't, so they're just getting their sort of just desserts. But um yeah, still not absolutely convinced, but considering their bad home form to to kind of face up to Nice and beat them at home, you can't really complain, I suppose. Mm. Um, it's the usual thing with Marseille, you know, it was only two weeks ago that the whole club was in a massive crisis and now they're well set to finish second. So who knows, but I'm still not absolutely convinced by them. No, and, and on that, the the two penalties, like you say, the Tadevo one was just was just rank bad defending from it. But player has been very good this season. But he just had a a brain fart. The 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 Saliba. I'm not convinced about Tadebo as a few other people are. I remember, like before, he played sort of two matches for Toulouse, and people were saying he's the he's the next Varane or whatever. I've never been that convinced. I rate Maxence Lacroix higher, if I'm honest. I do. I think he's got a little bit more upside. Um, but that said, I, I do like Tolibo. But uh, hasn't been the same since he cut his hair. Just going to put that out there. So maybe there's a Samson thing going on there. But um, but yeah, his, aside from him is his brain fart. But it was the other sort of up and coming um, centre-half in, in William Saliba. You know, we've all said all season has been pretty consistently good for Marseille. And it appears that he'll return back to England next year. But... He, um, I think he got away with them with one in this one, didn't he? I mean, it, it was a for those who haven't seen it, it's cross from the right that swung in. Andy Delore, Andy Delore is is coming onto it. Saliba just sort of basically bundles him into the back and and takes his flight away. Now, from one angle, you would argue is Delore actually going to make contact? Because it's quite away in front of him, but in the heat at the moment and the speed of it, you know, it, it takes away one, possibly two further strides that Delore makes before taking off, whereas in, instead he takes off as Saliba bundles him into the back. It The bit I can't understand is why this isn't referred, Jazz. Would that be fair? Because it was clear the referee had some sort of input. He was pointing to his ear, doing the universal gesture of somebody's talking to me, and then and it was just play on. And it seemed, I mean, even Jonathan Pierce was shocked. So that's when you know it's an odd decision. So um, I just thought it was a bit of a bit of a weird one i appreciate you don't work for the referees association in france but is there a, a protocol do you think for this because it did seem a little bit strange it wasn't referred i, I don't understand it i don't uh, i still think, to say, I still <laughs> think var in principle is good it's not var it's a problem it's the supposed human running beings 
in charge of it. And mm. I don't understand why it wasn't referred. No, no. So I think it's fair to say they, they got away with one in that particular uh, incident. But by the way, that um, Nisa's goal came from a stupid Saliba challenge as well. Yeah, he, did, he didn't have the best night, I think it's fair to say. Um, I mean, he's, you know, I've, so over the course of the season, he's been pretty, pretty consistent. And um, also, if you asked me to come up with my three non-PSG flops of the season, until not long ago, I probably would have said Guess and Buadu and Stengs. Mm. Um Stengs missed an absolute sitter at nil nil yesterday. Yeah, that was well, a big miss. Yeah. Absolute sitter's a bit harsh, but he has to hit the target, doesn't got he? To, yeah. Yeah. And Gerson had a very good game and has been improving steadily, I think, the last few months. He he strikes me as kind of he's Bruno, Bruno Gimaraes ready. Like maybe the next season is when we'll see the best of him. Uh Gimaraes sort of started to improve towards the end of his first season and then obviously went on to be the, the great white hope of Newcastle. But yeah, I do agree. I think he's he, he's coming on. Um, as for Staines, I think there's a raw talent there, but yeah, just hasn't really quite hit the heights. Boy, I do completely agree again. Just hasn't really got it done. Beautiful segue to Monaco though, Jess. So thanks for setting me up there. Uh, Phil, I'm going to come to you on this one. Um, oh, hello. Yeah, hello. The, the less said about PSG, the better. I think we we covered everything we needed to last week. Club in crisis, Poch is on the way out, Neymar's terrible, Messi's the worst player in the history of mankind, and Mbappe's going to Real Madrid. We've done all that. And Thierry Henry, what, if you heard him at the half-time full-time... He was not impressed, was he? Oh, my Lord, the word scathing does not cover it sufficiently. Yes. He was furious. And, and bear in mind, he used to play for Monica. He yeah. It's on a moral, ethical level. At and PSG, which and they were kind of crazy. But we, but but yeah. we, we got to give praise to Monica, haven't we? Because, yeah. you know, they've, they've been under pressure. Clermont's been under a bit of pressure. But that, that team, hey, when it clicks, they, they're, they're very good. It feels like also we've been going on about the PSG ultras being cross. The Monaco fans staged yeah. a form of protest at the stadium because they weren't doing that well uh, mm. at this point. And um, so they won 3-0, two goals from Wissam Benyeda, one from penalty spot, one from Kevin Volland, who also won the penalty that Benyeda scored later on, Kim Pembe brain fart, uh, which just looked like if you were going to, you know, have an academy full of fabulous talents and let them all go and keep Kimpembe, it just... I know that they don't concentrate on the defence, but Good Lord, he can do some stupid things at times. Anyway, uh, Ben Yedda Just, just was, before you say that, can I yeah. just ask you something on that? Just before you go into that. The Kimpembe thing, like, I, I have, I, I've said for ages, I think if you look at him as a, as a, a specimen, as a, you know, an athlete, I think he, he ticks so many boxes and I want him to do well. And I've, and I've mostly in a front shirt, fairly consistently good. The thing I cannot get my head around, right, is he's got what I call the, the granite jacker effect. You know that at some point in every single game, he is going to mm-hmm. do something absolutely ludicrous. And how he's not been arrested for assault on the pitch 
I mean, some of his tackles are absolutely horrific. And this one, I mean, it was a penalty and it was, but the angle he goes in at, like he's going to hurt someone at some point, the way he tackles. His technique is so rash. And I know there's this bulldog spirit thing and I'm Paris born and bred, but I just think that has to be addressed that he is rough in his yep. tackles in the extreme, you know? And as I said, that's, I think, because they don't, care about the defence that much mm. or at least central defence now <clears throat> what's his face Val Kilmer has gone back to wherever but yeah it's um, it's a little bit awkward but mm. uh, Ben Yedda was um, brought up for the interview after the game and given that the Monaco fans have not been that happy he did a very good job of being diplomatic talking about now, we need to try harder and hopefully for the rest of the season um, we'll get our rhythm back. But when he was asked about his first goal, he couldn't help but smile. Yeah. I, and Wissembedjera smiling is a wonderful thing to see because yeah. I don't know what to call it. Was it a majeur? Was it a inverted majeur? Was it a flying backwards back heel? I don't know how you'd actually categorise that first goal because it was so just creative and unusual. And yeah, he was basically giggling like a school kid when he was asked about it because I'm not sure he could believe he'd done it either. So look it out, people. It is beautiful. Um, I prefer and- the second goal. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Yeah, lovely to watch. He's and he's hitting form at a pretty good time. Uh, I know he has his detractors, but his it's a couple of games ago, wasn't it? With the uh, was it the Marseille game? I think it was where his movement was so good. Like he's just one of those. He sort of has this uh, nickname in the in the community as sort of being a bit ratty. Like you know, he's in and out and moving around, and but I just he is he's one of those players that divides opinion, but. It's kind of nice to see him doing well. We should mention as well, Phil, they went out of Europe in, well, we're sort of grouping it together. They went out to to mm. um, Sporting Braga in Braga. the week. And I, they owed their fans a performance, didn't they? However, I, however I many were paid to I was, I was very confused by that game because I turned on five minutes late because of scheduling issues. Mm. And Braga kind of wear the same kit yeah. And so in the first leg, that really, really confused me <laughs> because I wasn't sure which team was actually doing well. So, yeah. yeah. Um, they went out 3-1 on aggregate, having drawn 1-1 um, on the night. Uh, and that was through a late equaliser from Disassi. So, yeah, they're out... Lille are out after losing 4-1 to Onagra to Chelsea. PSG out, obviously. But we mentioned Ren earlier, who came close but went out to Leicester. So we have two French teams left in Europe. And one of them, well, there's OM Pauk in the uh, Europa Conference thingy, what's it? But the one I'm really looking forward to is West Ham versus Lyon. Yeah. In the Europa League quarterfinals. 
that or I really hope that both teams show up and do what they can do yeah as it were because I think that could be a really really good game mm. but I am to I'm sure the disgust of Tarek Amir and some of our other Lyonnais fans thinking West Ham could do that. And what Lyon turns up, um, just quickly while we're on that subject, is does that competition save Peter Bosch's job, Jess, do you think? In terms of, because that, that is all they've got to play for now. I mean, well, I say not all they've got to play for. They could technically still make Europe, but it's definitely... It's definitely their main focus now. Does that save his job if they get through that tie and go deep in that competition, or do they have to win it? I think they have to win it for him to have a fighting chance. I mean, I think this is their worst position at this stage, this century. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I was just checking there wasn't any more to come then. But yeah, no, I... Yeah, I do. I do tend to concur with that. It's, um, well, as I said before, I, I feel slightly sorry for him in terms of, you know, the recruitment wasn't necessarily what he wanted. And, you know, maybe he should get some credit for the likes of Lukebo, who's been fantastic. But, mm. you know, on paper, that team should not be 10th or 11th or wherever they are now. Mm. 10th. Yeah, yeah, not not great. And that's why we're not going to focus on them this week because they're not in the European spaces as far as it goes right now anyway. Um, the only other team I wanted to mention, and I'll give them to you, Jez. Obviously, we've mentioned Strasbourg dropping points this weekend in the Lorient game. Uh, but I do just want to mention Lille. Uh, and I feel like we have we have given maybe not as much praise as we would normally, but yeah, rightfully so. Rena playing some fantastic football and good luck to them. But I do want to touch on the champions, Jez Lille. Um, I know we have sort of covered them in a bit of depth in the past, but they are they're putting together what is starting to look like a, a good run at a good time, if you catch my sort of drift with that one. Unbeaten in the last five, um, three wins out of those as well. They're just starting to look quite defensively solid again. Change of goalkeeper may have helped that a touch. Uh, and they, they look like a side that is, yeah, just starting to find their gears. They're, they're four points off fourth now, but you just feel if they can put a, a run together like Ren have, they could, uh, using air quotes here, but they could push up that table and, and maybe push push on to challenge the likes of Marseille and Ren for that second spot. Do you like their chances in terms of their fixtures to come and where they are right now? It's interesting you mentioned the change of keeper making a difference because I think... I'm not sure Shardim's any better than Gerbich. And no, the, I would tend to agree, although I think you're better than Gerbich, if I'm honest. Uh, I, I saw some um, player reviews of, of... You mentioned the Chelsea match, or Phil mentioned the Chelsea match earlier, and they went out 4-1 on aggregate in the end. Yeah. Yeah, the, the winner this time was was very late on, and, and I think Lille were 1-0 up and had... Um, <clears throat> had Chelsea a little bit rattled and you know yeah. they'd held on to half time but even Chelsea's first goal was you know de- well worked decent enough finish but yeah I, I saw some sort of player reviews of each match mm. <laughs> the Jardim one basically said you know they'll never need to build a statue of Jardim in Lille because they basically play it in goal anyway mm. it was he just didn't move. It was not a difficult shot to save, I don't think. And he just, he didn't even make an attempt to go for it. It was very strange. Mm. Um, but that aside, 
I don't know. There's there's so many players there who we know have got talent, but blow so hot and cold, and and they've been unfortunate that at no point has the whole team played well at the same time. They've had some injuries. Um, they've had one or two important players leaving. Another player, a couple of players, clearly on the way to leaving. It seems like they're all on their way to Milan as well. Yeah. Um. So. I don't think it's been the easiest, and obviously European competition as well. So I don't think it's been the easiest time for Gouvenac. Um, So, yeah, I think he has to have cred- be given credit. I know they're the reigning champions, so maybe you expect a bit more. But, you know, everyone raves about how brilliantly Lens are doing. It's kind of surprising that, that Lille are still consistently ahead of Lens at the moment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they're, they're well up there, I think. Um, the one thing I would say about Lille, which I think is a real blot on their horizon, if that makes sense, is Sylvain Armand, who's their sporting director, who has been an absolute disgrace this year. Um, he picked a big fight in a Montpellier match. He was the one the other day that, that came to blows with Antonetti with rumours that he may have said something about Antonetti's dead wife. Um, Antonetti gets a 10-match ban. Sylvain Armand gets... Oof, a four match suspension, but it doesn't mean anything because he shouldn't be near the pitch anyway. And part of the problem was the what was he doing in Antonetti's technical area, let alone on the pitch. Um, and then this weekend again, we got a red card. I don't think anyone would have noticed any different if he'd stayed on the pitch, frankly, the way he was playing. But it, I thought it was a harsh red, I have to say. Mm. But again, Armand sort of stormed onto the pitch is picking fights is um threatening to fuck the mothers of pretty much the whole not playing and non-playing staff absolutely disgraceful and you expect better from um firstly a seasoned professional like him and certainly you'd, you'd kind of want some better behavior from a i think a, a you know decent club like Lille. and mm. obviously i am coming from this with a slight mess bias and wondering how the hell Antonetti gets such a ridiculously long ban and and Armand's still allowed to go down onto the pitch whenever he feels like it. But I think something has to be done. It's unacceptable, his behaviour the other day. Yeah. It's a and by, by the way, just and on an aside from that, I just want to call out a French journalist called, um, I think it's Bernard Latour, I think I'll double check it. Firstly, he's the shit stirrer who got Giroud basically chucked out of the France squad by he was the one who, after Giroud came on for Benzema and scored two goals, had the cheek to ask him after the match, You didn't do much, did you? And that's when Giroud sort of stupidly made the comment that Mbappe took badly, and next thing you know, Giroud's not in the squad anymore. Mm. Um, it's the same guy who a couple of weeks ago. Um, basically wound Antonetti up until he went mad in the press conference. Um, and then on Saturday night, the fucking hypocrite is saying how disgusting Armo is. It was funny how he wasn't saying that kind of thing two weeks ago. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not a good look. And like you say, for a club, I don't think any of us expected Lille to challenge the title in a back-to-back season. But, you know, the, if, when the club is performing on the pitch and turning things around, the last thing you need is... Some God knows what going on off the pitch, and was it that phrase? You know, stay classy. Like there is, there's a, there's an element of that involved here, isn't it? And like you said, 
you know, you things are said in the heat of battle, but there's there's things that are said, and then there's other things that are said, and quotes like that are just they're just not acceptable, are they? Simple as that. Um, moving on to things of uh, slightly less depressing nature, but equally depressing from a footballing sense. Um, Phil, I wanted just to touch a little bit on the relegation situation. So I know we've, we've we'll probably cover it in a bit more depth in a few weeks further down the line when we know a bit more where things are. Are you willing to put the um, I'm not going to ask Jesses because it'll upset. Him, so let's keep it to you. Are you willing to put the nail in the Mets and Bordeaux casket, or are you looking towards um, that fixture between the two as to who well, might stay or go? Definitely Bordeaux, because mm. if you can't score mm. against nine men for 45 minutes, mm. that's a problem. I mean, they tried really hard, but as several people were saying on Twitter, they were, they panicked. It mm. was like, this is a chance, this is a chance, we have to take it. And they didn't keep their cool, and Omlin did a great job. Let's not underestimate that. He did a great job. But if you're playing an hour against 10 men, and 45 minutes against nine men, I mean, you've got to get something of it. Jesus. Even a two two draw. They had a lot of shots and they had a lot on target, and there was a good goalkeeper in front of them. But it was just like they panicked and they were snatching at every opportunity rather than being measured about it. And so their five points off safety. I can't see him getting anything. But what will be important for Mets is that game between the two of them where Mets can can pull away. A distance, yeah, between the two. It'll be five. They can, they can in theory, but mess up. It's not looking good. No. Uh, I mean, basically. Well, that was the thing with Bordeaux, because... Their defence is shocking. I mean, the um, 70 conceded, but their attack is actually okay. So that's why going playing half a game against nine men would appear to be the perfect way to kind of get out of this situation. They're not a team which is struggling because they can't score, mm. which unfortunately does appear to be Matt's problem. This is the thing, and the defence isn't that much better. I think, you know, the match the other day just showed that the whole team, I don't want to say given up, because that makes it sound like, you know, they gave it a good effort and then they gave up. I mean, they, they've never been on it. There's too many players there. You know, Santos, who's still our top scorer, he's been out for half the season and he's a fullback. Um, yeah. A lot of people think he's just sort of looking after himself to make sure he gets his move. Belaya thought he was on the move in the summer, has never wanted to be there. Pat Matasar has been the big disappointment. I mean, he's been a disgrace and it turns out we should have got an extra few million and actually let Spurs have him in the summer because clearly he he Checked out, had no intentional season of breaking into a run and risking an injury. Um, Tom, Tom Adelaine um, has already basically said he's signing he's going and not only is he going but he's signing for one of Messi's biggest rivals in Strasbourg the whole the whole team's a mess the only one sort of looking 
close to trying to hold them together are Kaya in goal and De Preville up front, who's sort of held together by plasters as well. So I I would say that Bordeaux are very likely to smash mess because, as you said, I mean, it's similar the other day when Lafont got a 10 out of 10 against PSG and everyone's tagged off PSG. I get it from the defensive point of view, but if a goalkeeper is getting 10 out of 10, then... You know, yeah. to make them work that hard, the the other teams attack must be doing quite a bit and are a bit unlucky. I think the same this weekend, Bordeaux at least, you know, what did you say, 23 attempts on goal? That's uh, 31 overall. Without that's... looking, I would be 100% sure that that's more than Mess have created um, in, game in 2022. Four games. Mm. Yeah. Because I, I tuned in to watch the last, what was 15 minutes of the Bordeaux game after the Lorient game on Sunday and and they absolutely battered Montpellier for the last 15 yeah. minutes. And like you say, but other than for Omlin and a couple of very well-placed blocks, you know, they could easily have got something from the game, if not all three points. And on another day, they do. But you can't keep having another day. So we're 29 games into the season now. Yeah. And I can, I'm going to I'm going to call it now. Nine days and that's it. Yeah. And, and I'm going to I'm going to call it now. And I'm going to say Mets Bordeaux ends in a draw. And neither team will come out of it going, well, that was a good point. I don't think either team will, you know, somebody has to win that game to have any chance, I think. And if and they draw, I, I agree up. with Jez. I think it will be Bordeaux. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I don't think that's going to help them either. Yeah, exactly that. Um, uh, the whole family's upset in the Jez household. So I'll stick with you for a minute, Phil. Uh, just looking up the table then, as far as the, the challenges go for what potentially could be a fight for the playoff spot, up or down, shall we say. Um, the contenders appear to be St Etienne, obviously their form, having picked up for a few weeks, has now kind of levelled out a bit, a couple of draws and, and a win with a defeat. I, a I still think they've got... They've got enough, haven't they? They've got the quality. Now they appear to have turned the corner. Whereas I think Clermont maybe don't. So yeah. they're only one point apart. Obviously, Lorient are equal on both with Clermont. I don't want to talk about them, but <laughs> I'd say I can see Saint Etienne climbing up and Clermont going, climbing down, as it mm. were, um, to kind of move some of the places around down there. And the thing is, given that 18th is a playoff spot, mm. I'm not sure that, you know, if your trend is downwards in yeah. the 18th place, I'm not sure that will particularly help. So mm. we'll have to wait and see. But it would, I think it would be tragic to lose both Saint-Étienne and Bordeaux in the same season. Mm. two yeah. storied clubs I think Bordeaux are gone so yeah. I kind of have to cheer for Saint-Étienne to cling on and hope that they can reorganise and do something mm. uh, for next year because it feels like they haven't really rejigged that squad for about five years now so something's got to change at some point yeah, yeah, I tend, tend to agree with that. And I think, like you said, like with the teams above, Claremont are the ones that are falling now. Three straight defeats yeah. is, is worrying and Ange, for them. Angers have been... Oh, they were catastrophic. Stopped, but but it just, they're it, just far enough away from this 
that and not a matter. And the other really, really boring. And the other advantage to their win this weekend as well is they won whilst the six teams below them all dropped points. Okay, there are three of them drew, but also three of them lost. So not only did they extend that three points was crucial to snap their their awful run, but also they've pulled themselves. Technically, they've gained two points on the teams below them. And and Brest, who are also falling, I mean, 35 points. I can't see either then or or Rams Uh, falling below. Yeah, and Rams are a big They'll do enough. They'll do enough. Um, Just before we wrap up the relegation scrap, uh, Jez, I think you're all back with us. I just... Just to sort of group together, we were just saying there, St Etienne, we think we'll have enough and Clem up the ones looking over their shoulder now. Do you feel like uh, Lorient and Toi have enough? Be careful how you answer this, please. Um, are we talking about bottom three or bottom two? Uh, we're, saying, we're saying bottom three. We're saying, uh, do, you, do you feel like, for example, Lorient and Toi could avoid that relegation playoff spot? Or do you feel that they're still within that? I mean, obviously, they're still in the mix, but do you think either of those two <laughs> no. are... I mean, they're one and two points clear of the relegation zone. They're definitely still in the mix. Yeah. Put it put it this way, or put it another way. Do you feel that those two have more depth and quality over Claremont and St Etienne, or do you feel that... No. Okay. So you think St Etienne will probably go further up the I table? Think it's then? an absolute yeah. disgrace that St Etienne is still down there. Yeah. And I think they'll be okay. Yeah, they're the ones I worry about. And I still I still think that people will make sure they'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, and I think from a L'Oreal perspective, because why not? I'm here, so I might as well mention them. Uh, I feel like, I think we touched on it recently, but I feel like some of their fixtures coming up are going to be key and no more key than the 8th of April when they host St Etienne. Because, again, six-pointer and all that, but they win that at the Moustoir things look very different and also they sorry just have to host Mets um, but then in between all those games away at Ren, away at PSG away at Nice so the next five to six weeks are going to be pretty crucial um, but I, I think if they can win those two big games at the bottom with the bottom end of the, the teams those other three fixtures won't be as relevant so yeah it's all getting a bit squeaky bum time um Phil, did you want to just touch on the European draw? I think we, we've kind of covered it. Well, we, but... well, well, we have obviously the men, who yep. I mentioned earlier. So um, also <laughs> this week, we have the Women's Champions League quarterfinals, where we have Bayern playing PSG on Tuesday and Juventus playing Lyon on Wednesday. So those are two very big games. Obviously, Lyon have kind of dropped off from their utter domination thing. So that's going to be interesting. Um, And Bayern are a very good team, but PSG are coming up. So as well, we've got in the other quarterfinals a classical tomorrow, Real Madrid versus Barcelona. You have to imagine Barcelona will take that. And then the one on Wednesday is your own Arsenal, Chris, versus mm. Wolfsburg. Yes. Which should be, I think, a very tight match. So we've got uh, European football also happening there. So if you have access to those games... God knows where. I'm sure they're on the internet somewhere. 
um, have a look because I think all four of those ties should be really very decent look. Absolutely, absolutely. And we haven't got any games to preview next week, so we're just going to have a very, very brief touch on the France uh, squad. They've got two friendlies coming up against the Ivory Coast or Coupe d'Ivoire, if you prefer, and South Africa. Uh, Friday at 8.15 and, uh, in fact, isn't it two back-to-back? No, Friday, no, 29th, sorry. Yeah, so fr- Friday is the uh, Côte d'Ivoire and then the 29th is next Tuesday, as you rightly say, um, hosts in St Africa. Um, but, 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 just a couple of updates on the squad. There's a couple of new faces, a couple of returning faces. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the, the interesting ones, I guess, uh, Jonathan Kloss, who's come in at... Um, right wing back. I mean it Deschamps has made it very clear that um that uh France are going to play with three at the back. Mm. Um so sorry I'm distracted I was gonna say she does not have something happy about three at the um, back. <laughs> I'll be very quick. Yeah so Jonathan Kloss coming in well deserved. I do actually get the impression that Deschamps doesn't necessarily watch Liga until he's really pushed into it by other people. But anyway um Christopher Nkunku <laughs> has finally come in as well, which is, is again, Very more deserved, than deserved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Saliba has come in because Pava has dropped out. And interestingly, Giroud has come in because Benzema has dropped out. Um, yeah. Lecky ran a big thing saying, you know, Giroud just needs to prove that he he's happy to still be in the squad, even if he's not expecting to start. And I think he is the type of person who would do that. But... Deschamps was a lot more sort of ambiguous when he was pressed on those kinds of things in, in a press conference today. So, um, you know, it's clear he's only there because Benzema isn't, but it's still nice that he's back in because, as I've said before, yep. he was disgustingly unceremoniously dumped. But also he's been doing a bang-up job in Serie A. He's been oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, he's yeah, set, yeah. And he yeah. set up the winner again this week. You know, it's he- not... He did also miss an absolute shocker in that game. But that is Giroud, isn't it? You know, he'll he'll yeah. give you the work rate and he might miss one or two, but he'll also score big goals at big times. And, and he'll also know. do his defensive shift, which yeah, others yeah. don't. So. Yeah, true. And, and I, nice I to mean, see... I've said before, and, uh, by the way, Griezmann also is coming back. Just, just going to say that. Yeah, he's back. I still maintain, I know that as neutrals, most people won't care. Even most French people don't care. I still think that a team in which Mbappe and Benzema call the shots, even if they might be more entertaining to watch, is a hell of a lot less likeable than one in which Giroud and Griezmann have a bit more influence. And I've, you know, Nations League winners or not, I've fallen out of love a little bit with this France team at the moment. I think you can only play one of the two. Uh, Jez, you go and attend to little one because uh, she, she's not yeah, having yeah. a good time. <laughs> Bye. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Phil and I will just. We'll just uh, put down the shutters at the end of the pod for you. Um, are you are you looking forward to these games? For I mean, I say I know they're friendlies, but it does give I us. Know, a little I bit always of do because also it's a chance to you know usually the uh, the friendlies are oh well, let's play Finland or Liechtenstein or whatever. No, mm. um, I think particularly the Cote d'Ivoire game. Yeah, that's the one that stands very out. Very interesting. Mm. And, and um, South Africa. South Africa, South Africa. There's, I've just invented a country, South Africa. That brings back uh, France '98 vibes for me. A young Thierry Henry yeah. and Zidane, and yeah, brings back some good memories from those eras. Yeah. No, I think so. 
obviously there will be a load of games to watch over this international break and it would be perfectly reasonable to watch the ones that are competitive but I think particularly uh, the Cote d'Ivoire game would be worth looking at as just a uh, an interesting um, entertainment for an evening mm. uh, while some other qualifications go on elsewhere. Yeah. You've noticed Oceania apparently have been trying to do their World Cup qualifying in a, a two-week tournament in Qatar. Yeah. It hasn't gone well. No, it hasn't, no. Everyone's um, got COVID and apparently it's, it's quite hot. Yeah, and I so, still... I, I know we'll when we get closer to the time we'll understand how it's going to work more, but I still can't quite nope. kind of get my head around how this World Cup in the winter nope. is going to be and how the fixtures are going to start. Like basically next season, if you're a betting man, just put your money away because there's no, there'll be no point in betting on any fixtures in domestic football next year because you're just going to see some batshit crazy results pre and and post World Cup because teams are just going to be all over the shop and how on earth teams are going to make signings it's just going to be a mess i just can't yeah i mean really see it it looks like it the final's going to be on boxing day yes bizarre isn't it i mean it'll be nice apart apart from anything else i'm like yeah great for us but Mm. these people have families i know (laughs) and and all this seem a little bit unfair and all this in the backdrop of a country with extremely questionable human rights. Oh yeah, I'm not uh, and everything going that goes now. with it. I'm just trying to talk about the kind the, of the basics of the football, yeah. And and God knows what will go on off the pitch. And you know, I, I feel like this will be a World Cup full of scandal and God knows what else. So oh, Jesus. I mean, you remember anyway, twenty ten when they were all saying, "Oh my God, don't go to South Africa, you'll all get shot," and it was all apparently fine. Yeah. I'm not sure this one will be, because however patient the local authorities will be about certain things, Mm. I think drunk football fans wandering around town and jumping in fountains is not going to go down well. No, and in a country where, as you say, there are so many questionable elements, I don't think, and I, being an Englishman myself, I don't think English fans are going to go over particularly well in that particular country. Um, But that's not just English fans. I think, you know, there's, as we know in France, there's a few questionable supporters of of France that travel and, you know, various um, other countries. When I was at Euro 2016, obviously the Marseille for England, Russia was a nightmare Mm. but I then went to Toulouse to see um, Belgium versus Hungary in the round of 16 and obviously Mm. the place was also full of Portuguese people who were assuming that they were going to top their group and everybody got on really well but Mm. everyone was drunk Yeah, and I think there might be there is a difference between drunk and violent and drunk and happy, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that difference or that distinction may be recognised at this World Cup. Yeah, and I'm I'm not and remotely either intelligent enough nor qualified enough to state what the laws of, of the of the country of Qatar are, but 
I gather they well, do not sell alcohol. So kind of waiving some of the laws. I yeah. Think. And, and any country that doesn't serve alcohol, you can only imagine how people are going to attempt to get alcohol if you catch my drift well, there. Well, they so. do serve alcohol. That's I mean, at sporting events or whatnot. I don't know how the, how it works over there, but I, I believe there's certain restrictions at certain times of day. And yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like there might be a few things that go on there. But obviously, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, and thankfully, I don't, well, I'm certainly not planning to go over there. And I, I highly doubt you are. And I, I'm pretty sure Jez isn't. So we will watch from afar. And uh, I'm, see I'm going to be going to the Euros for summer. Hey, is that what the women's? Uh -huh. Yes. Where is that in France? No, it's in England. Did I dream that? I dreamt that. It's in, it's in England. Because I'd completely forgotten two friends of mine bought me a ticket because oh. of confinement and everything. It's a good job um, they reminded you, really. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be going to Old Trafford. Oh, well, you, mean you, you could have picked a nicer yeah. ground to go to, but, you know, such is life. Well, I've been to the Emirates. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not exactly wonderful either. I have to the say. Emirates Cup. Oh, yes. Good old Emirates Cup. Yeah, one of those coming this summer, I'm sure, if we can fit it in. Um, but that's for another podcast. Uh, we will not BT Sport this one. Um, but, um, yeah, OK. Well, we will draw a line there then. As I say, we, we're not going to be uh, promote, promoting, no, um, previewing. That's the word I'm looking for, engage brain. The League and Games, because obviously we've got this two-week break. So League and Returns uh, for memory, I think it is the fourth, yeah, second, the weekend second. Next. Second of April, so yeah, Saturday week basically. So we'll be back next week to uh, to preview maybe that. Maybe on we'll the probably... Wednesday. Yeah, I think that's the plan. After we'll, we'll, both games, we'll get the France games out of the way and see if we can work in the in the Wednesday. So, dear listener, I'm sure you'll manage for a couple of extra days, and we will aim to align our diaries for the Wednesday to talk about the France game, and then obviously preview. A uh, couple of tasty looking fixtures. I'm not going to spoil it, but having a look ahead to the next games, there's a few tasty looking ones there. And so we'll by then, we'll have the uh, Women's Champions League quarterfinal results. Maybe. Certainly will. And we'll be able Two to preview. Them. I don't know. Sorry. And we'll be able to preview the other European games as well for Leon and Marseille upcoming also. So busy old time. Right. Uh, we'll leave it there then. As I say, our thanks to Jez. You had to had to play dad um such as life but uh children come first so uh, thank you to jez for his time this evening uh, and of course phil thank you to you for your time as well much appreciated thank you and uh, yeah do look forward to your international football upcoming if it's not your bag then fair dues uh league will be back in no time and if all else fails it's uh, first day of spring in the uk so uh, clocks go back i think it's the end of this week so uh, maybe get out there and, and enjoy some nice weather uh, it's not quite cool enough to turn the heating off yet, though. So stay warm, stay safe and uh, enjoy your international football until we speak to you next week. Take care of yourselves. Until then, have a good one. Take care.